0: Hello friends. Today, since Joe and I are out of town, we're going to release a fictional short story I wrote a few weeks ago called Franklin and his quest to meet Michael Jackson. We will be back with Let us with a new episode of Let us Talk on Monday. This is a short story I wrote called Franklin and his quest to meet Michael Jackson. Little girls were screaming. Moms were pleasantly surprised that this was exactly what they thought it would be. Couples were both pleased and completely into it while both thinking to themselves, my partner is probably more into this than they are into me. Dads were uncomfortable. And then there was Franklin. He was just a boy at the time. This was one of those few times as a kid he actually got to escape the suburbs of Paris. When people told him, Always with a look of surprise, curiosity, and absolute certainty, growing up in the suburbs of Paris must have been magical. It was hard for Franklin not to roll his eyes. There was an important distinction between Paris and the suburbs of Paris. Paris was the place all girls and boys wanted to eventually study abroad and post on their Snapchat stories, assuring all their friends and family that, yes, their life was intact and all of their insecurities were gone under the beautiful Paris moonlight. The suburbs, on the other hand, were a disaster for Franklin. He grew up in a messy household with a father who didn't love him. Even worse, since this was 1992, he had no internet. Imagine being a child without internet. Poor Franklin. But with every hardship comes an escape. And for Franklin, this was his bootleg CD of Michael Jackson's 1991 album, Dangerous. Franklin always thought of himself as the dangerous of his own family. He had several siblings, and most of them seeked and earned their father's approval. His older sister, Billie Jean, was literally and figuratively the thriller of the family. Everyone thought that she was the best. She was also a widely popular actress, captivating cult audiences who loved a good horror film. Her best role was certainly Ellie in 1986's hit film, Why You Should Never Turn That Light Off. Everyone loved Billie Jean, both the song and Franklin's sister. She could do no wrong. This ruined Franklin's love for Michael Jackson's hit album, Thriller. No longer could he stand up on his bed and pretend to play the absurd guitar solo in Beat It. Even worse, whenever he saw a girl at school that he liked, he couldn't stop thinking of the funky jam PYT. He always thought it was impossible to make a song this groovy and wondered if he would ever be able to create something this spectacular in his entire life. Everyone in the world also thought this when they heard PYT, especially at the concert, except Billy Jean. And for reasons that aren't extended metaphors, Franklin's siblings Annie and Brooklyn also reminded Franklin of Michael Jackson's first and third solo albums, Off the Wall and Bad, which were... Both more popular than Dangerous. They were just simply better in the eyes of everyone else. But Franklin loved Dangerous. Although most people liked Dangerous, nobody really loved it. Sure, every white family in America in the summer of 1992 once sang along to black and white together, black or white together. pretending with every hee he imitation, they were slowly wiping away racism for good. Franklin, too, envisioned himself dancing with Michael Jackson as all the world, black and white, came together to hold hands and forget centuries of slavery. What a song. However, this song wasn't the crux of the album Franklin had fallen in love with. It was the infectious yet heartbreaking Remember the Time. Franklin had a fantasy of running into Michael Jackson on the streets of Paris and singing the chorus of the song, Do you remember the time when we found love? Do you remember the time when we first met? Franklin, only 11 years old, was too dumb to realize this probably happened to MJ all the time and it wasn't an original idea. But back to the concert. Somehow, Franklin was there. He was in attendance to see his idol, Michael Jackson. It was September 13, 1992. He had hitchhiked into downtown Paris and waltzed into the Hippodrome de Vincennes with his ticket he spent his entire piggy bank on. Franklin had seen the music videos on MTV, he practiced the moonwalk in front of his mirror, but most importantly, all he wanted to do was fulfill his fantasy of singing Remember the Time to a completely surprised, yet down-to-earth, Michael Jackson. Like a middle school girl attending her first Justin Bieber concert, he was sure his fantasy was going to be fulfilled on that exciting night in September. When Michael Jackson shot out of the ground in his golden black shimmering suit franklin was awestruck what a time to be alive he thought franklin was happy the concert started off with one of his favorite mj jams a song called jam at one point franklin high-fived a mom who was just as into the performance as he was it was a special moment but franklin started to wonder when he was going to play his favorite song remember the time MJ played an emotional wannabe starting something where during the famous, if you can't feed your baby, then don't have a baby part, Franklin made eye contact with a single dad in a section and gave him a high five. He locked hands with an elderly woman during Human Nature and said to her after the song, tell them that it's human nature. He knew this made zero sense, but the elderly woman loved it because when you're a child, literally everything you say to the elderly is golden. During the Jackson 5 medley of I Want You Back, ABC, I'll Be There, Franklin realized Michael Jackson played these songs when he was Franklin's age. This was one of the first times in Franklin's life he realized he would never be as successful as someone else's own age. And then Michael Jackson played Billie Jean, the big one. Once again, Michael Jackson descended from the top of the arena on an invisible wire and then emerged from a cloud of smoke in an all-black outfit. Fire shot from the ground and his extremely satisfying choreographed dance team mirrored his moonwalk. The entire arena went fucking crazy. And when the bass line kicked in, every uncomfortable dad in the arena was finally comfortable. Every girl had lost their voice by now, but they too danced. The moms had been dancing the entire time, but they loved it all the more. It was taking all of Franklin's energy not to dance. He pictured his sister, also named Billy Jean, smiling at him and telling him, I'm better than you. But he gave in and somehow actually moonwalked for the first but last time. Billy Jean was just that magical. At the end of the show, Michael Jackson sang his cathartic hit, Man in the Mirror. Everyone had danced enough and was finally ready to pull the flashlights out of their pockets for some good old-fashioned gospel rock. The lyrics were so good, everyone in the arena forgot how shitty they were as people. And for five minutes and 19 seconds, the world was at peace. By the time the backing choir came in, Michael Jackson had somehow somersaulted into the crowd and then stood up wearing an all-white suit with a black hat. For the 18th consecutive song, he had changed outfits before standing still for a couple seconds. It still caught the crowd off guard every time. Immediately after the song ended, Michael Jackson vanished. It was the coolest thing anyone had ever seen. No one realized he actually didn't vanish, because he was just that good. Everyone left the arena changed forever. In their taxis and minivans, they looked at the Eiffel Tower and wondered, maybe Michael Jackson will magically appear in a new outfit up there. Although Franklin was generally satisfied and eternally happy he saw his idol, Michael Jackson, he suddenly realized that he didn't play Remember the Time. In a way, MJ robbed Franklin of his fantasy. This is where the story starts to get personal. I haven't been entirely honest this entire time. First, I am Franklin. Second, I may know too much about how Michael Jackson died. For legal purposes, I'm not going to reveal my actual name. I know what you're thinking. Is your sister's name actually Billie Jean? Sadly, yes, my sister's name actually is Billie Jean, and everything I said about her is true. But fuck Billie Jean, this is my story. I was so moved by Michael Jackson's performance of Heal the World and Man in the Mirror that I swore to myself I would become a doctor. However, after testing very poorly on the MCAT, I decided to become a male nurse. This was a decent consolation, and I feel like MJ would be proud of me regardless. I would never give up trying to fulfill my fantasy of meeting Michael Jackson. I went to dozens of shows across the next five years. I saw his history world tour 12 times. Each time, I showed up dreaming of that fantasy I had as a little boy. He still never played Remember the Time. It was heartbreaking, but it kept me coming back for more. And then he stopped touring. For twelve years, so every year instead of spending all of my recreational income on concert tickets, I visited Los Angeles in hopes of running into him in his neighborhood. instead of seeing him, I usually just ran into other Michael Jackson super fans. But luckily, on a sunny day in August 2001, I met my wife Diana. She was so charming and told me she lived in the neighborhood and after a few amazing dates she told me she was incredibly wealthy but wanted to settle down with husband and kids. We dated long distance until I found a nurse job in Los Angeles in 2005 and moved in with her. At this time I realized she was super wealthy because she was a stripper. I didn't care. I saw a study that showed men are happier when their wives have sex with other men and her proximity in Michael Jackson was just so special. So what if my wife was a stripper? It basically guaranteed I would run into the King of Pop one of these days. A few years later, Michael Jackson announces farewell to This Is It, a residency at the O2 Arena in London. I told Diana I had to go. So being the wealthy stripper and breadwinner of the family, she surprised me with 35 tickets to see Michael Jackson's This Is It. I was ecstatic. Maybe Michael and I would sit next to each other on the plane to his shows together. This was another fantasy I had. But it wouldn't happen. Uh, But it wasn't as as important to me as the childhood fantasy of singing him, Remember the Time. It was the summer of 2009 when it happened. I got a call from my boss, Conrad Murray. He was the top cardiologist in America. He said, get to the office as soon as you can, Franklin. I have a high-profile celebrity I need to run some tests on and I could use your help. I can't tell you who it is, so please don't ask me again if I'm working with Michael Jackson. Is it Michael Jackson, Conrad? I asked with the seriousness of a doctor telling a 32-year-old man his wife is dead. Look, I can't tell you who it is. Let's just say there's someone dangerous here, said Conrad, shaking his head, hanging up. He knew how big of a fan I was. I never drove fast, faster to Conrad's clinic than I did that day. I rolled down the windows of my wife's third car, a 2008 Mercedes-Benz C-Class, and blasted Remember the Time. Some of the Michael Jackson superfans nodded their heads in approval as I drove by. Little did they know I I knew where he was. When I walked in the clinic, my heart was pounding more than the first time I saw Michael Jackson. Whether or not this was in a sexual way, I'll let the audience decide. And that's when I saw him. He looked slightly sick, but mostly fine. He looked a little white. And I'm not making a joke about his changing skin color. He actually looked a little white in a medical sense. It was weird to see him not performing, almost like seeing Santa filling out his tax returns or the tooth fairy refinancing her mortgage. But it was really sad I didn't get to meet him that day. Around 8 o'clock on June 23rd, Conrad called me in and told me I had to more tests to do. I was still a little excited, so I once again drove to the clinic singing Remember the Time. Something about the office was a little different that night. Conrad and Michael Jackson were the only ones in there. Franklin, I'm going to need a big favor from you. I just gave Mr. Jackson a decent amount of medicine, but he should be fine. I need to watch he- him while he sleeps at his house in your neighborhood whatever you do, do not talk to him he is Michael fucking Jackson you are a 28 year old cuck who lives with a wife who bangs other men this is what Conrad said to me with his eyebrows raised I decided to play this off and pretend I wasn't insulting that my boss knew my wife was a stripper without me telling him Conrad, Conrad, Conrad when have I ever let you down I said laughing nervously Conrad didn't respond to me. He just grabbed his suitcase and put in his password to exit the office, then turned around and looked right at me, with his eyebrows still raised. I got distracted by sheer awe, fascinated by how long he could do that. Naturally, this made me forget that I wasn't supposed to talk to Michael Jackson. So, I drove to Michael Jackson's house again, listening to Remember the Time again. I parked across the street and unbuckled my seatbelt. I looked both ways twice before crossing the street, Not to see if any traffic was coming, but to see if anyone was watching me, Franklin, walk into THE Michael Jackson's house. Sadly, no one was watching. After walking past a few bodyguards who didn't laugh at my Secret Service jokes, I got into the mansion. On that night in Homley Hills, Los Angeles, this conversation occurred. Hello Mr. Jackson, I am Conrad's go-to nurse. He told me to watch you to make sure everything was okay. Also, I am your biggest fan, I said, smiling. There was about seven seconds of silence where I sat there thinking how lucky I was to be in his presence. Sadly, at the time, I didn't realize Michael Jackson was asleep, so I took his lack of response personally and sat there for a few hours before driving home. It was still a special moment. I technically met Michael Jackson. Less than 16 hours later, I was once again called into Michael Jackson's mansion. This time, he was awake but I had to stand outside of his room. I could only peek in every 30 minutes or so. It was right around noon, but I couldn't take it anymore. I had to talk to Michael Jackson. I needed to fulfill my childhood fantasy. I did the L.A. knock, two on top, two on bottom, and waited a half second before turning the knob and walked into his room. Surprisingly, he wasn't wearing one of those flashy suits he magically changed into at his shows. It was really weird to see him just wearing a sweatpants and a T-shirt. I couldn't stop thinking about this. It messed everything up. He looked up from his book with a confused face and asked me if I knew him. Then the moment I had waited a lifetime for happened. I took a deep breath and all 13 of the Michael Jackson shows I saw flash before my eyes. In other words, my life flashed before my eyes. All the times I got back from work only to see Diana having sex with another man. All the times Billie Jean made me look terrible because of how good she was. The one time my dad called me dick sucker in front of my teacher at a parent-teacher conference. I looked up from my own two feet and then looked into his dark brown eyes right above his peaceful smile. Hey, Michael. Do you remember the time when we fell in love? Do you remember the time when we first met? I allowed a three-second pause for comedic purposes, then cracked a smile, which was a smile begging for approval. If we were in front of the Big Bang Theory studio crowd, they would have lost it. He looked at his own two feet, then back into my green eyes. He said, that was the worst joke I've ever heard. And that's how I killed Michael Jackson.